You should be the host here. I really love it, aren't you? We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to episode three of the Red 78, your one-stop shop for everything monster, right here on the Rugby Channel. I'm Alan Quinlan, and joining me as usual is legend of monster rugby and Grand Slam winner, Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? How was your weekend? Oh, not too bad, Quinny. Uh, tough weekend. Uh, Bows lost, Munster lost, Spurs lost. Um, wasn't a, a good weekend for teams that I support, but um, I'm coming around. Well, you're coaching your well, Bows, so you had a, a hand uh, in, in that loss to Railway yeah. Union. So are you coming under any flack or any pressure from <laughs> there for a bad result? Uh, off, I, hope not. I hope not. I hope not. But a uh, tough weekend for us, for sure. Yeah, Munster on Saturday night. We'll get into that in a few minutes. And uh, I didn't know you were a Spurs fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, so I was happy, happy, <laughs> happy on Sunday. It was um, it was such an emphatic win for Liverpool. Oh I, my did, God. I, could, I couldn't even slag my my Man United friends. But uh, anyway, so the Red Seventy Eight. What's in store? Every week we're going to be looking at the biggest stories going on in the world of Munster rugby, analyzing the games, getting some big name guests, which we haven't got yet, but we will in the next few weeks. And You're a big enough name, Quinny. Yeah, exactly. We look what's going on in the women's game, underage and club level, and we're going to look into the AIL next week and everything that's going on in Munster Rugby. We're always looking for your feedback, so your thoughts on what hap- what's happening in Munster. The best way to get in touch is to tweet us. We want you to get involved at Rugby Channel 15 or leave a comment wherever you're watching this across the Rugby Channel social media pages. We'll get around to them as best we can each week and open up the discussion. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast just search, search for the Red 78 and you'll get your podcast straight to your phone every week. Okay, so we mentioned, uh, Neve the performance. Uh, this block of games, Munster have had five games. They've won four. The first three, lots of positives in the first three. Um, I suppose the positive in the fourth one against Connacht was a win, but the performance wasn't, wasn't probably what we'd expect or what you'd want, certainly want at home to uh, to Connacht and Thoman Park. Um, and we said it last week that if they could get this this fifth game against the Ospreys, get a win, that we, it would end up being a very positive. They finished on a negative in this block. What was your assessment uh, of, of what happened on Saturday night against the Ospreys? They were beaten 18-10 away from home. Yeah, I think probably frustration is probably the the overlying emotion. I think because um, they really just didn't fire uh, or get going. I think their set pieces under pressure, their discipline wasn't great, and it's very difficult then to try and put yourself on the front foot if you know if you're not meeting that gain line. Um, so definitely areas, and and I think the frustration frustrating thing from that coaching ticket will be. So many silly mistakes and compounding errors upon errors, which you know sometimes I, I don't know if you ever know when you're playing a game and kind of get into this kind of funk or a dip within the game, you're you know, you're trying to get yourself out of it. The harder you try, the worse you seem to be getting, maybe, or and, and it kind of spreads across the team. I just I just think there was just a litany of errors and um a, just a disappointing end. More so on the fact that, you know, it's five weeks now without a game, so you can't really correct it quickly. Um, I think that would just probably be the, the point of frustration. We'll deal with the facts here first. So um, the Ospreys are missing all their Welsh internationals. Um, 
and Munster have most of theirs, I think. Um, obviously, there's a couple of players out injured. Chris Farrell, um, Damien Dialende is, is just back in the squad. Conor Murray's first involvement. Um, so there's players undercooked for Munster. But still, you think that um, they should have enough to go to the Ospreys. Um, I watched the Ospreys coach before the game. And to be fair... I was wary of this one. We were wary against the Scarlets a few weeks ago for, for, for the reasons that they had all their Welsh internationals and it was a very kind of inexperienced monster side and a young monster side that went over there and they produced a brilliant performance, scoring six tries, winning 43-13. Um, this was kind of the opposite. They're missing their, their internationals, the Ospreys, and Munster are stronger. So I thought that there was a potential banana skin here. I didn't expect to have the same sort of free-flowing performance, but I thought Munster would win. I thought they should have won, and uh, they should have, uh, have a, certainly expected to win the game. But when I watched Toby, Toby Booth before the game, um, I just thought, I sensed that it was backs-to-the-wall stuff for them and that they were just going to throw everything at the at the uh, at monster and really try and just get stuck in and, and and amongst them and they did so they really frustrated them they caused them problems at the breakdown aggressive carries um the scrum was caused them issues uh and as the game went on i thought yeah monster look they're going to have to deal with this and they just didn't um was it an attitude yeah. I, I i was kind of thinking to myself Maybe the attitude is not right. Maybe the players just dropped the dropped their the standard in their minds a little bit and thought that it would happen, and and sensed that they just needed to turn up. It, it, because look, the players can give out and say that that's not the case. And I know no player would have went over there thinking, "Oh, we're just going to turn up here." But if you're a couple of percent off it, and you know it as a as a player yourself. Um, and then the mistakes started to happen and it just got away from them. I think I think you just hit the nail in the head there in relation to, so obviously listening to Toby Boot before it and they kind of had this kind of backs against the wall mentality, like chip on the shoulder type of a thing. And also the fact that if you are a couple of percent off at this level, no matter who you're playing, um, you can't really afford that at this level, especially this year with this new kind of URC. I think the standard has gone up across across the board. Um, I just think sometimes it's very difficult to try and get to them to that mental pitch, you know, um, five weeks in a row. It's, it's incredibly difficult, irrelevant of whether you're in and out of the team or, you know, you haven't played for the, the whole five weeks. The freshness of the group, I think that that's something that maybe that they might look at going forward because at this level, like everybody's a really good rugby player and everybody can do all the basics really, really well. What sets you apart in teams? Um, and when you look at the likes of, you know, a Leinster's or a Connacht's and stuff like that that can play this free-flowing rugby, what sets them apart from a Munster team? Well, it's their ability to get to that emotional pitch and be able to balance it really well. I just think that sometimes you need that underdog type of thing. Does a favourites title sit well with them? They were definitely favourites to win that. And like your your era, you, don't take this the wrong way, but you were brilliant with, with the chip on the shoulder tag and the underdog tag. And I think that, you know, probably sometimes Munster need that. Maybe they needed that chip on their shoulder going into battle type of a, a game. If, if, I, if you can understand where I'm coming from, because I just think 
mentally they just didn't seem to have the same energy or the same aggression as, as the Ospreys. Is that down to attitude and is it good enough? So is it just a once-off here and, and maybe Munster a big scalp for, for the Ospreys? Okay, they're, they're, we mentioned their backs against the wall, a lot of young players trying to make a name for themselves. That's not easy, you know. It was never going to be an easy game. But is it good enough for this group? Um, should we be blaming the coaches for that performance? Or is it player, Is this one of the ones that there's player issues? Because the I think that player was group was definitely experienced enough to be able to take that game by the scruff of the neck. I think, um, I think that pack struggled to get on top of that Ospreys um, eight. And I think when you don't gain parity, um, up front the game can be very difficult let's talk about the game plan so because this is something that comes up a lot and uh, we're going to read out some comments from from um, people's responses um, we don't want to rely solely on social media but certainly it's what the, the the supporters and the fans are feeling sometimes there has to be a balance to that some people use social media to be incredibly angry and um we want to try and be balanced. We've said that from the start in this podcast, um, but we want to try and air the frustrations as well. So um, I'm just going to read out some, I'm just going to read out some comments. We'll get to the, the game plan in a minute. Um, so at John shine 89 and Twitter, that was awful again. So many flat performances like this under Johan van Gran. the talent is there. It's not just not been used well enough. So what would you say to that comment? Because, um, for me, I think in the last couple of years, I think we've we've probably, and I know myself I have, and other people have called for more young players to be introduced. I think they've used for over 40 players in these this block of games. And a lot of the young players have got opportunities in game time. Um, so um, maybe it was a very flat performance, but I think there was the talent was given the opportunity and they just didn't take it. Is that down to the, the individual talents not being good enough here, some of these players? Or is it just maybe game plan? Or is it just a once-off that they've got to learn from this and bounce yeah. back? I'm not really sure it's a once-off because we saw moments of it in the Stormers game. We saw moments of flatness um, against Connacht. Um, so from that aspect, I'm not sure. I, I don't really agree with the, the fact that on Sunday, you know, it's because... Like it was a lot of young players, and I, I think that for me, the likes of Liam Coombs and Crowley and Hodnett, they actually looked quite sharp. Like, I, I there's something about Liam Coombs I'd, I'd like to see more of, I'd like to see more of in that 13 channel, I think. And, um, I, you know, I, I feel like he looks a little bit electric, and we just don't, we seem to not give him the ball enough, I think. And, but just seem to be. There seemed to be a, there was a lot of experienced players there that just didn't really seem to grab. To so be. let's let's talk about the young players. Okay, so uh, John Shine eighty nine on Twitter is saying that we we the talent is there. It's just not being used well enough. So I'm not sure what he means well enough. Is that down to coaching or is it down to the game plan? Because at the weekend we saw Liam Coombs, Jack Crowley, Craig Casey. Okay, he's an international now, but he's still a young player. Uh, Finian Witcherly is still quite young. Um, let's go to the bench. Kenya Knox came off the bench. Josh Witcherly, John Hodnett. Um, we've seen Jack O'Sullivan, Thomas O'Hearn get game time. Dermot Barn has done really well. 
Calvin Nash. Um, Thomas Do you not Ahern. just think, though, can I ask so a we've question? Seen, we've seen a good few of these players in the last few weeks, so I think it's a bit unfair to say they're not being used. They're being used, but are they are they not being... Are they being held back a little bit by by a direct approach and Munster relying on scoring a lot of forward tries, mall tries in the last few weeks? Um, some of the talk on the papers and from other analysts has been, well, if you stop Munster getting into your 22, stop them getting mall tries, uh, don't give away penalties and frustrate them, get in their faces that they can't really break you down. And, they, and maybe some of that's true. Same for most weeks. other teams, though, Quinny, to be fair, like, you know, by the likes of a Leinster, you know, most other teams, if you stop them up front, then it's going to be very difficult for them to be able to break it down. I just think it's just difficult. It's, it's not a case that it's, we're going direct, really, because we saw the complete opposite against Scarlets. I think just got to try and find a balance. So I think a couple of things, if you're, you know, we need to see players, like, I'd rather wait till five, six, seven months into the season, like maybe, and judge Will that not be too late, though? Do they no, need to, well, no, do they need to recalibrate? Do they need to recalibrate themselves here? Johan van Granen said, and I was glad he said it after the game, he said it's not good enough. Um, and I would, I, if I was, as, um, you know, a player, I'd want him to, to, to get all over the players here and put massive pressure on them because I think it just, it's, it's, it's heaping unnecessary pressure. You can lose matches and there's no problem. Um, there's no, I don't think, I wouldn't have the arrogance and, and I'm sure this team wouldn't be arrogant to think that you can just turn up in the Ospreys and go to Wales and win um, because you're going to get a team that are going to just be given everything. Their backs are to the wall, as I said, trying to make a name for themselves. So, But I just think they need to find a little bit of a ruthless edge and it wasn't good enough from the attitude, the aggression, the energy, the um, they were actually some parts of the first half were okay, but they just kind of backed up. So three entries into the the. So what do they do if if they're making these kind of mistakes in a game like this? So three trips into the Ospreys twenty two in the first half. The first one was a five meter line out, a penalty kicked into the corner. Finine Witchley drops the ball. They didn't go up on the line out. Okay, it's a mistake. We don't want to highlight the the player that he he was sloppy and he just didn't he didn't want to catch the ball. It's a mistake, but you need to switch on. You need to be probably really focused in that position a lot more. It's a mistake. Then from the try, John Ryan gets ahead. He's blocking there. It was picked up by Mike Adamson on the TMO, um, which would have been a really crucial score for him. And it would have really kind of set the tone for him. Then they had another line out. Craig Casey gives a forward pass. Great ball off the top. Lean Coombs, maybe he overran it a little bit. It's a forward pass. It's a turnover again. So that's three entries into the, the, the Ospreys 22 and zero return. Completely. And I think that was that was that was what I was speaking about beforehand in relation to that element of frustration. Like, you know, when you get into those scoring the top teams, when they get into those scoring zones, they don't come, they, they come away with points every single time. And you know, really silly mistakes throughout the game. Obviously, those three that you said, Delande, you know, with an overlap, passing the ball behind everybody, kind of Murray. Nobody seems to understand. Well, look, in fairness, at the end of the game, I could see that happening because it just the momentum was switching. And it doesn't matter if you're playing against um, the All Blacks there. It just had that feel that no matter what Munster did, um, 
the the Ospreys just grew and grew and grew in stature, and they sensed that this was their match to win, and this was no, their. No, I get night. that, Quinny, but I'm just saying, like that. But it's that's, not good enough. We're that's not. more en- not more enough. more errors, and like they just reverted then to one out runners, and then you get to an edge, and you're thinking, okay, just reset it, come back off the edge, come up, start to penetrate through the middle, and then space will open up. But then we just kick the ball away again, and just kicking the ball away at unnecessary times. And I think so that, is, that's part of frustration. I can't see how that's the plan. Um, there was one there, and I made some notes on... Um, uh, after. Look, for, here's another mistake. After Andrew, uh, Craig Casey scores a try, Andrew Conway catches the ball after restart, and Craig Casey kicks it out in the full. Okay, it's miscommunication. Someone needs to let him know that it was taken out and take pass back in. Um 65 minutes, Ben Healy, after you know putting it through the hands, having some phases, kicks the ball away, turnover. 75 minutes, line out halfway line, uh, Munster mauled forward, Conor Murray kicks it away to the Ospreys. It's a box kick, okay, he's yeah. kicking to try and get it back, but they, they catch the ball and they win it and they end up getting a penalty from it. Massive lift for them. You're chasing the game there, you're trying to get something out of it. Ball is kicked away. Um, this is something that probably needs to be reviewed and the game management from the players needs to be better and they need to be more switched on here. So look, it's easy for us and it's easy for everybody talking, but you know, I have another comment here. Um, Terry O'Sullivan on Twitter, just can't get my head around Munster at the moment. On the last week, on the last two weeks' performances, is there one player who would make the Irish 15 at the moment? Serious questions need to be asked. So let's see if we can find one player. There's nine of them in the Irish squad at the moment. Dave Kilcoyne, Tyg Byrne, Gavin Coombs, Peter O'Mahony, Joey Carberry, Andrew Conway, Keith Earls, Connor Murray and Craig Casey. So if you're picking your team for Japan next, pick your team for the All Blacks. No, I think... I think Which probably, one of those Munster players will start? Probably Terry Andrew O'Sullivan. Conway for me. Terry O'Sullivan is asking us that question. I think he looks the sharpest, probably Andrew Conway. But other right, than so that... No Tyg Byrne starting for the Lions. The summer, not at the moment. Um, he's only two well, it's games difficult. Played. Yeah, he's only a couple of games in. Conor Murray's same. Like, you know, they, we've got to be fair to them too, and fair to that to that process. But then you look at Dame Delande has been playing rugby for the last six or eight weeks and didn't really make a huge impact. And now I know it's hard. Like you're looking for some big moment of magic off him, but I just thought, just I just thought, look, sometimes you know when you're making there's mistakes happening and crit- at critical times that can just kind of feed throughout the team. And I think that that's kind of probably what happened. I just think there just seemed to be a lot of errors from lots of different players. And I, like, that's kind of the long and short of it, really. Should this be player driven now? This um, Obviously it's a difficult situation because they don't play a game now for five weeks. You'd love after a performance like that to be going out next Saturday or Friday night and try and try and get a, a bit of a feel-good factor. It's a frustrating way to end. And I've experienced that before in certain blocks when, when the Irish squad head away and you're left a bit frustrated. The flip side of that is if you win and if they won this game, maybe it's a good thing it's happened now that they've got to really kind of lay down a marker as a group themselves. Look, the coaches have come under criticism. The game plan has come under uh, um, scrutiny a lot. Um we see more, We see them trying to evolve a little bit, but I think the last two weeks, those questions have come up again. The attack, 
the basic skills, the catch pass skills, because it wasn't just it wasn't just the attitude here or, or them being a, just a little bit off. I think some of the skills are really poor as well, and that's kind of concerning. So, should this be player driven now that they've got to set a better standard for themselves if they want to be a team that's going to win a trophy at the end of the season? There's no guarantees with that, but if they want to be in the mix, um, maybe it's a good time thing for this to be happening now. Yeah, look, I think. I think sometimes you can learn more from a defeat than a win. And I think that's really cliche to say, but it's it's the truth. I think, you know, I think they've got to realise as a group of players that... Let's not know, get away from it, Nate. It's been two bad weeks. Yeah, but... but they won the Connacht game. Yeah. You could take the positives out of that. But it's probably shouldn't have won. It's yeah, a yeah, performance probably. of two weeks in a row there. Yeah. Now, for any of the listeners, there is mitigation. All those changes. Um, there hasn't been continuity in selection for for, for reasons that... You've got to use the squad and you've got to try and play players and give them opportunities and hope that they will bring quality each week. When you can play the same team for a couple of weeks in a trot, they'll get better together. Some players just coming back, undercooked, all that kind of stuff. We're not taking away from the fact that that monster team that was selected on Saturday night should have went to the Ospreys and should have been good enough to win. And I mean that respectfully to any Welsh people that listen to this podcast um, I'm sure they'd admit it themselves. The Ospreys get a massive bounce after that game for their break. Uh, they climb up the table a bit and they've beaten Munster, a big scalp. But um, I just think I- now you're looking back and going four wins out of five. Okay, you know, it's not too bad. I just think it's the manner of the performances the last couple of weeks, like just flat and lacking of energy and and just reverting back to one out runners. And I think I think... But one of runners, Neve, on Saturday night that were slow, slow, pedestrian-like, hundred percent. When, when um, you know the Ospreys loose forwards seem to yeah. be just running on with so much more aggression, and that's what also... frust- that's what frustrated me first. And I remember Dick that we went to Neath probably in two thousand and one or two thousand and two with a very strong monster side. Uh, we went to the old the Nolid was called, and it was Neath back then, not the Ospreys, and we lost that league game. And I remember Declan Kidney being so furious with us after the game um, about being bullied and about losing the collisions and losing the, the aggressive battle, if you like. And it just reminds, some of that reminded me of that the other night. And in those kind of games away from home, refereeing decisions go against you, little knock-ons, mistakes creep in. And that negativity seemed to seep throughout the team. So that's something they got to really grasp and get hold of quickly. And as a player gonna, group, though, as a coaching group. No, as players as well. 100%, I agree, I just, yeah. No, look, you can say what you like about the attack and the, we will st- we'll, questions will be asked until we see crisp, um, free-flowing attack when needed. Munster can't get away from the DNA of, of that being, you know, using their forward power and, and taking on teams up front. But um, the players have got to take ownership of that and make sure that no matter what game they have, going forward for the rest of the season, even if they lose, that they show a bit more energy, aggression, bite. And I think one player and I, I, and I, and that I've seen that from since the start of the season is Peter O'Mahony. I saw him the other night and just fighting and scrapping and having a real attitude. And there wasn't players around him with the same kind of bite or aggression. They had the fear going to the Scarlets. And maybe they thought they could turn up here and that it would just happen for them. You've got to make this stuff happen. And it's a harsh lesson for them. 
Do you, do you think it's the internationals that we that Munster needs to to find a bit of spark and form? And maybe it's a good maybe it's a good thing now that they've they've got four out of five. Even though we dissected it enough there, I think the Ospreys game wasn't good enough. They got the result against Connacht, but in the next few weeks, do you think that the likes of Dave Kilkine, Tygburn, Coombs, Mahoney, Carberry, Conway, Earls, Murray, Casey, that if they have positive moments and positive game time with Ireland in the next few weeks? That maybe they will come back and ignite a spark into the into the group again and bring their experience and 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 have some games under their belts because I know from pers- uh, personally it's difficult you know you play one or two games it takes a while to get up up to speed and we always had a thing with Munster when I played was that the players who were the non internationals if you like don't look at the internationals to come back from these blocks and expect them to just take. Uh, to 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 bring all the quality and and step up to the plate as well. So I think that's a really crucial thing now for in the yeah, next but while. Funny to be fair, I think a lot of those non-internationals have actually been playing quite well. Yeah, I think I think for me, it's more the senior players that need well, to. That's the point. Do they yeah, need, completely. You know, and, so and, to be and I fair, agree. Yeah, they've had a they've had a you know they've had a mix and match season. Connor Murray, as we said, is just back. Tyburn only back the week after. They need matches, so yeah, I'm do. saying maybe it'll be a good thing that they get some game time, some really clinical confidence group sessions with Ireland. Um, they're in the camps for a couple of weeks. That maybe they will come back and they'll have their spark. Then the young fellas we mentioned, you know, Thomas Ahern, Jack O'Sullivan, even Chris Clute was brilliant the last few weeks. Josh Richley coming off the bench, lots of energy and. Um, he's plenty of fighting him hasn't he plenty of fighting him and I like, I like it, that yeah. I like that attitude you know what I mean and in fairness uh, Finneen Witchley Liam Coombs there's lots of these guys that Calvin Nash there's lots of young players that I I think the mixing and matching hasn't helped them but they've they've got to get the internationals now to try and find a little bit of form and you mirror that together and for this incredibly difficult block. So what, what's happening now, they've a couple of days off. I think this week, some players will have some time off. Um, some players will go to the AIL. So we have um, Les, Les O'Gorman here. Munster's consistency with Scarlet's, Connacht, Osprey's performances like that were worlds apart. And then Dunzer at Dunzer 15 wants to know what role of the, what role will the AIL play? I think I think it'll be hugely crucial. I think I think you you know we've we've heard Van Grant and, and Leo Cullen to be fair speak about it over the last few weeks about how important the IL is starting to be now because there's no A games, there's no B and I Cup, which I think thank God because I think that it's brilliant to see these guys back in playing club, um, and there's an opportunity for them to play now over the next few weeks. So I think I think you know we'll touch on it next week obviously because. We'll hopefully know who's who's going to be involved and who's played a bit of AIL. But I think from that point, I think it 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 would be brilliant to be able to see guys that are playing rugby with Munster a couple weeks ago against Scarlets and then lining out for uh, Shannon Gary Owen, your Munster, your Munsters. I think it'd be super. Okay, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see lots of these guys playing in the, in the next few weeks and get game time. Uh, we didn't mention Jack Crowley. I thought that. Um, he wasn't one that you could lay the blame for 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 Saturday night's performances. showed showed a bit of spark, showed some some lovely touches at times. So, and he's played played AL in the last. Yeah, few weeks. I think he showed a lot of maturity too. I, I I'm so excited to see him get a run of games. I think I think he looks the real deal, Quinny. I really do. And what I loved about him too is he absolutely did not shirk any defensive responsibilities. Threw his body in, got a turnover at one stage. 
Um, and, you know, see big Hannah Jan Klein coming down to smash him on the back to say well done. And sure, he looks like a, a child almost compared to, to Jan Klein. He's just so young looking. And um, But yeah, I do. I, I think that if you're Jack Rowley coming away out of that, you'll obviously be disappointed that you didn't win, but you'll be kind of happy enough that you, you know, did well and, and did well in patches. But he he's definitely one for the future, I think. And I think the future will be nearer than, than what we think. Should he have started on Saturday night? Should Damien Dialenda play it outside him if because he started? Or yeah, would you? You made that point beforehand. I thought that was actually a really good point. Why wouldn't you have started Damien? Maybe the fact that he'd only been back from maybe training in a session or two. But I actually really thought your point was really good beforehand when you said we only have him for that week and he's gone again. You know, putting a big no disrespect to Dan Goggins, but putting a big runner. Like Delende, right beside Jack Crowley, getting giving him an out. Um, you know, a, a World Cup winner, a hugely experienced centre, um, and let him play himself into the game as well. I think probably wouldn't wouldn't have been a bad shout. There's a couple of other points before we we finish. Um, the rumours this week and probably in the last week or two are that the coaching, the full coaching group with Munster are going to get two year extensions. Is that um, obviously? And I know this again from when I was shaking and shivering and worrying about contracts, you know, pre-Christmas is the time that you want to try and get deals done or not done because you run after Christmas for players and coaches and it just creates so much uncertainty for, for either party. So um, it looks like, and we can't confirm this because it's not confirmed yet that the Munster coaching uh, coaches were getting two year, two year extensions. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? Um, is it too early? Have we seen signs that there is some change happening? Um, and what's your take on that? Yeah, I'm not sure it can be too early. They're three, or, three years into the job now, is it? And um, I think it's great for stability. Um, I think that sometimes that's, you know, you create stability as a player. Um, and um, But I think in relation to, look, people, I think it's a very fickle world, professional sports. I think you're judged on performances, you're judged on results. And I think, um, I look, people might think that my monster had is too monster. I can, I can see at times what they're trying to do. I can see the evolution. I can see what Larkham's input is at times. And I, and I, and I like where it's going. Is there just not enough creativity? Yeah, and I just think lack of consistency. And we we speak a lot, we speak all the time, you know, about teams being consistent. And that's probably why they're saying, like, you know, Connacht are playing really good rugby at the moment, but they're not consistent. Well, for me, Munster aren't consistent either. And and there's no real middle ground for them. They're either playing unbelievable rugby, like the Scarlet's game, or they're gone down to these really slow one-off runners, box kick chases, um, and they've got to be able to marry that. They've got to be able to find a way where if they can't get parity in the inside or in those tight rush defences, that they've got to be able to be able to play out the back and play to the edges and and with pace. And um, so from that aspect, look, I think I don't really, it wouldn't really, it doesn't really upset me the fact that, you know, if that's the case that they have two year deal, I, I actually think it's, it's good. I think, from a stability point of view, from consistency point of view. Um, and while Van Gran has been there, I think, you know, Larkham, 
Graham Roundtree, you know, and, and what's coming underneath it in relation to all that change in structure of the academies and stuff. I think you've got to, we've still got to be patient. I think this which is I don't a, think will be a very popular thing. To I say. think this is a critical season. Um, and some of these young players have, have got to be introduced and they have been in the last few weeks, uh, like Jack O'Sullivan, Thomas Ahern, um, Jack Crowley, Liam Coombs, these players, and see if they can get in the European team and make a name for themselves and that's, that monster can get, put themselves in a position to be to be knocking at the door at the end of the season. And I'm, I mean this, I think if Mon- there's no guarantee, like, I don't think this this situation at Munster have to win a trophy. I, I don't agree with that because it's very, very difficult, no matter how good your team is, to win a trophy. But they have to be there, thereabouts. And if they're beaten in a semi-final or final, we, we don't want to be talking about, well, they kick the ball away, there's a lack of creativity, there's a lack of attack. I think that's a kind of a critical situation for the coaches. Um and look, I think the stability part of this is, well, the alternative is they don't sign contracts and they see out their contracts to the end of the season. And there's it's just week after week after week, there'll be questions asked to the coaches. Yeah. So I, I, I think they're, they probably should be given the, the opportunity, but we need to see that evolution and see it a yeah. little bit more and see it a little bit more consistent. And hopefully, because I think they're good guys and they're trying their best. I also think they've got to get into a position where we're rewarding form as opposed to credit in the bank. And I think that, we, you know, if a good player is playing out of his skin one week, then we've got to be able to reward that for the following week. And, um, and I think that will only breed competition. And I think that will only breed standards. Is it a case that some players know that they're going to be starting every week, irrelevant of how they played a week before? That's in every squad. That's not just in Munster. That's 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 across the board. So, like in every professional sport, um, they've got to take that away. So they've got to make one big decision somewhere in one big game for people to sit back and go, "I've got to perform." And I think that you'll see a different a, a switch flicked. But sport sport can change very quickly. <laughs> you look at the. Mm. You look at that Clermont performance last year in France and that the attack there was brilliant, the execution, the attitude, everything. So, um, you know, maybe one big performance, maybe a couple of big performances in South Africa and doing well there, win over Wasps, whatever, and Cass. And pre-Christmas, we could be saying, you know, they're in great position. So it can change very quickly, but... Yeah, it's fixed. We know that. On, on the evidence of what we've seen, there's, there's concerns there that not just you and I'll have, but the fans will have, and they're probably the ones who shout the loudest here. So um, hopefully they can do well and they can improve because that's what we want. Um, and the proof will be in the pudding and the results in the next couple of months. So um, one last thing before we go, uh, speaking about monster people and monster coaches in France, uh, we know Prendy is there, Mike Prendigas, Raj. Um, James Collin has taken over in Toulon. Uh, he was def- he was announced as defence coach in the summer, and um, it's a great opportunity. It shows the mad, and I don't mean this that James has got the job. How mad it is, but it can, it just shows how quickly they just chop coaches there, make decisions there, and don't seem to. Um, to you know, it's crazy when you think of the budget. Even Toulon have. I just think it's, they, they're it's, down at the bottom of the league, and yeah, it's brilliant. Patrick Calasso is gone, but but they obviously really high hold him in high esteem because. As you say, he's only coming over the summer. 
it's obviously made a big impression that okay, Glass was gone, but they're entrusting like Chess and Cole plays for too long. Like these type of players are, you know what I mean, world class. But I watched them last weekend. Um incredibly, incredibly poor. Uh couldn't get over how bad they were. Um typical a typical French side, like, you know, just shrug of the shoulders and and moving on to the next. But uh, your big pal was the the big winner there. Yeah, Rog, Rog effectively got James Collin the job, so I'm sure you'll have to buy, buy him a beer. But look, it's great for him, and we wish him oh, well. Super. I played with James, great fella, and it's a great opportunity for him now. So he can get a couple of results. Maybe he'll get the job on a full-time But he's full-time worked his base. way up really well, you know. Obviously, Prodi um along all the ways into academies. And um, and he's obviously, as I said, he must be really highly thought of um, from a coaching aspect over there. And, Okay, Prendy and uh, Raj obviously get all the plaudits because they're in top 14 clubs, but he's gone about his business very quietly and seems to be very effective. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good, it's a good opportunity, a great opportunity for him. So hopefully it works out and he starts getting some results. Okay, that's we this that's it from this week's episode of the Red 78. We've got to leave it. Um, don't forget to get in touch because that's the whole idea. That's you know, we get some interaction from people and we try and get their thoughts. And all things monsters throughout the week. We'll be sure to get them on next week's podcast. If anybody has any opinions on the AIL, um, very, very fond memories for me back in my days playing with Shannon. I don't think we'll ever see those days where we see 10, 12,000 people at games. But I think there's certainly a massive role for the AIL. And hopefully it gets some of these, these contracted players back playing and, and people get out to support the AIL. You can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or search for the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. Make sure you subscribe to the Red 78, wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much again, Neve. And uh, unfortunately, a bit of negativity this week, but that's just the reality. Hopefully in uh, the next few weeks, we can uh, talk about the club game and the women's game and some of the underage games as well. Okay, take care. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.